2: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. A slightly different uh, episode this week as we look back at the Brody Lee Celebration of Life episode from last night. I'm Aaron, joined as always by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike?
3: Hey, everyone. Yeah, this is a a very difficult week and you know, this is going to be a different episode. So I'm looking forward to talk to y'all for the next hour, hour 15 about this. But yeah, this is kind of a tough, I think is the only word to do that. But how, how are you holding up, baby?
2: I'm doing all right. It it turned out I was uh, not looking forward to the episode last night. Uh, but once it got going, it was like, okay, this is uh, nice in some way, you know, to, to watch. So uh, we're also joined, of course, by Nate, a.k.a. Epictetus. What's up, Nate?
4: Hello. Hi, guys. I'm here. Um, Mike calling his shot with the episode time there. I like that. Trying to set yeah. expectations right off the top that uh, we might run out of things to talk about and uh, just get super <laughs> awkward uh, and then just decide, okay, we'll see you next week. So, uh, like the smart heads up move by Mike there.
2: He's a smart guy. We like having Mike. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to hit the plugs. Uh, everything AEW is our Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Just search Everything Elite. Uh, if you use the Apple podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review, please. Uh, and if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash everything elite. Normally, we do Elite or Delete first. I think we'll just do Elite this week. We'll just talk about uh, some of our favorite things from the show this week i've got a few listener elites uh that will bunch in uh there's not going to be any ratings talk this week no ratings came out so we'll probably get those what monday uh so yeah
3: monday did it this isn't a thing like last week where we recorded early we didn't have ratings it's holiday week and nielsen doesn't report on new year's eve
2: yeah so we'll get those and we'll talk about them next week uh but let's get it started with uh elite or elite nate uh what was something that that you enjoyed from the show
4: well i'd like to select elite first of those options um (laughs) uh just i think broadly overall you know you can we do a lot of like quibbling on this show you know we we have a structure that right at the beginning of every episode is like hey let's find something on this show that we can complain about um and you know that's kind of necessary for being content a lot of the time. Um, so you know, you can have your quibbles or whatever, but do just kind of want to appreciate the task that the people that made this television show uh, took upon themselves last night. Um, you know, with the recent tragic death of a coworker, they all went and uh, put on a fantastic piece of entertainment that was uh, as Jericho said at the top of the show. You know, very cathartic, I think, in addition to being, you know, tragic and overwhelming and all these things. Um, and yeah, you know, that goes all the way down the line, you know, crew members, video editing, uh, you know, people sorting out music rights, all that stuff um, just came together in a really remarkable way. Uh, if I think finally, the thing that really kind of uh, pushed it over the top for me was. The the appearance of Eric Redbeard, aka Eric Rowan, aka Joseph Rude, Mr. He Looks Insane. Uh, Just an absolute joy to see him come out. An absolute, uh, a total shock. Really had no expectation that he was going to be there. I thought, hey, you know, they might, they've had no qualms about, you know, featuring unsigned people on their product and so on and so forth. I wouldn't be surprised they had video messages from you know, your Matt Cardona's or whoever it may be, or maybe we'll see a video message from Eric Rowan, uh, but did a full on run in to even the odds against the inner circle, take out Wardlow. Uh, and that was just what a uh, really just going the extra mile as this promotion uh, does. And a lot of things to not only like make that a meaningful moment, I think for probably eric rowan um but i think also fans who are like you know will always associate john huber luke harper with that tag team uh and it's just you know kind of uh again cathartic to get some sort of closure or respect paid to that um also <laughs> like very funny that eric rowan has essentially been a meme in our little corner of the internet that watches aew uh and for him to actually <laughs> Appear in this context, uh, <laughs> just put a huge smile on my face, um, and having him <laughs> square off with Wardlow was just phenomenal. So I think that was probably, probably the point where it became, and you know, the rest of that match was phenomenal as well. That uh, just really put it over the top and made it, you know, kind of a magical, special thing.
3: Yeah, and you could tell how much it meant. For Joseph Root to be there, it was something that, you, you know, I know Aaron and I we were, we were talking about this yesterday, but this wasn't necessarily a show that I would say is primarily for the viewership. Like the viewership, of course, is a target here, but this was a a a show really for uh John Huber's family, a show for his coworkers, a show for his friends, and i felt like that it was incredibly touching and also in the same way like you could like it was something that i think across the show you kind of walked away going like oh that if you're going to be doing a show like that you did the right thing and i think like that is kind of my big takeaway from this episode was that everything it was like yeah of course the dark order are all baby faces and we'll see how that all kind of uncomfortably will change over time to see if that's going to be something that I think they have to go with going forward but having someone like the acknowledging the past like this is not a company that's ever been afraid of acknowledging people's past and just up and down and I think the best example of that is having Eric Redbeard or as much as Jericho wanted to call him Eric Rowan throughout the show uh, have him out there and have a, a just a little hoss off out out there that I don't think any one of us would have ever expected coming it was just like a nice surprise
2: yeah it was like i mean i giggled when he came out it was just like very funny so it's like the one time when i really got to have uh, a huge chuckle on this show so that was nice you know they uh, got to bring out his his sign and you know pay his respects to his friend uh yeah it was a beautiful moment so i'm i As much as I just loved, I <laughs> think he looks insane over and over, <laughs> which I did. But what And what a, I mean, this is perhaps the the lowest of the stakes, but what a payoff for that for that bit. Um, <laughs> to see <laughs> Joseph Rude actually show up on AEW. Just, oh, magical. Uh, you love to see it. You really do. Uh, Mike, was there uh, something particular for you from this show that uh, that you really liked?
3: I mean the I I think like the most affecting thing was the Tom Waits video that they put at the end of the show other than you know obviously things with Bradley Lee Jr negative 1 and all that but just a it, and it's something that I know that uh Chris Mukie gone Harrington pointed out is there's a lot of emotional labor that for doing these kind of shows and especially for like the people that aren't on camera. I mean, you're someone that like you think about like your producers who have been you you know guiding these segments. You, you think about the camera people, gaffers, and then the editors. And as an editor myself, I came away from going like that was a real remarkable music music video to end of the show. And you know, as I mentioned just briefly before, to not shy away from the fact that I I, I feel like and I. And, that in a lot of other scenarios that it would have been kept to just like clips within the company clips within that. But they had a lot of just John Hoover's life in there. And I felt like that, that it was beautifully edited and I felt like that it was just a nice move of making sure that this video won't get taken off because of rights issues. The fact that Tony Khan, real billionaire hours bought the rights into perpetuity Was kind of wild, but it was just a nice way to like, to like, kind of like go out on the show. And it was really kind of fitting. So if I'm picking just one thing, I kind of, that was a thing that afterwards I've gone back and watched it a couple of times and it still holds up and it's still really remarkable. And it's just kind of a special way to end the show.
4: Yeah, I think uh, probably very nice for, you know, his coworkers in the WWE and stuff uh, that they had some photos in there. To commemorate his time with those people that were important to him, uh, you know. So, in however many years, they can go back and pull up the YouTube video and look at that. And you know, it, it' not all being one promotion. It can it can be about uh, John Huber's life, like you said. Uh, added added the Tom Waits song to my January Americana folk playlist of music that I don't ever typically listen to. So that's a late ad. Uh, but enjoyed that. Haven't haven't gone back. yet. not haven't gone back to watch anything. Just because got to get through this show first.
2: I'm now ima- you know, Tony owning the rights
4: to that song now has me imagining like a, a Fosse cover <laughs> incoming. I mean, he, he he must mean that he he got the rights in perpetuity for use like on AEW right, right, yeah. <laughs> But it is really funny to think about. No, I I bought the publishing rights and, and the recording rights from the <laughs> from the record label. In totem. Like, I I own the song out right now, and I'm going to yes. use it as my entrance music when, uh you know, I enter at Jacksonville Jaguars games. <laughs> I
3: mean, we have seen over the years the controversy of people's music rights between, like, Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, and even nowadays with Taylor Swift. So, you know, who knows? He might find more uses for Tom Waits' Old 55. We don't know, but... It's just, I assume it's something just to make sure that this thing they can have it up on YouTube. I I as as great as it would be, but to hear Jim Ross going, "By God, that's Tony Khan's music," and then and then this very sad sad song that now, at least for me, is now immediately identified as Brody Lee. That's his theme music. Like that would be insane.
2: Yeah, I just like the idea of everyone who is affiliated with AEW who does any sort of music like gets to do a cover of. Old fifty five, uh, you know they bring in Leo Rush. He does a cover. Uh, I don't know who else does music on AEW. <laughs> I've only come up with Fozzie so far, really. So, well, Max but, Caster, I guess Marco.
4: I don't want. To, I don't want to lawyer you too hard, but I do want to a little bit. You you can do covers without any rights. There's a uh, a compulsory license that as long as you pay people their right. seven right, cents to right, right. twelve cents on the dollar uh, for a cover, you can do it.
2: I've actually found myself uh, on music TikTok for some reason, uh, and I have learned that there are services. Basically, you can just sign up and say, "Hey, I covered the song," and they you pay them like something a year, and they work out all your all the rights you have to pay to cover. But yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, I have to. Uh, still, I, got, I had, I had, a, I had a
4: minor in music business, and uh, of course, I have no cool. use for it in my real life. So uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna drop one fact on a wrestling podcast about it.
3: Hey, I got my mileage out of my religious studies minor. So we're we're just finding, we're just finding uses for like the, uh, the things that we ended up devoting our time to thinking that it would matter later on in life. Maybe we'll expect
4: a, a, soliloquy from you later in the show to get that, that drama degree, some use.
2: I was trying to think about, uh, Maybe I could talk about uh, you know the way some scenes are set up, you know the way people are placed in certain places and uh, what that means. You know the I, actually I was in the in the opening scene with uh, opening scene in the the first video we saw of John Moxley, and he had his his hat pulled down really low and it was like covering his eyes. But when he would look one way, like one of the eyes would be lit and the other eye was not lit. And I was like, I don't is this like some really uh, specific choice that he's making here or? I don't think so. I think it was just poorly. poorly it's a ha-
4: happy accident of yes. self, self-taping your memorial promo from home.
2: Indeed. Uh, my my choice for kind of my favorite thing, and I tweeted about this, but there was such... This was so obvious in a lot of the um, remembrances of, of Brody and certainly in some of the video packages on the show last night, but amazing to me that everyone agreed that it was good that Brody lee looked at pro wrestling as a job and he wanted to get out of there as quickly as he possibly could and get home you know the story that people told about him always saying goodbye forever when he left you know when it was time to go home because he wanted his time at home to feel like he was going to be there forever um i think a lot of times when athletes sometimes just when they retire but certainly when they die it's like oh all this guy cared about was basketball or baseball or or pro wrestling. Uh, And then of course, which we've talked on this show about the, um, the poor history of wrestling children, you know, the the children of wrestlers, how they are ignored uh, a lot of times. And so it's heartwarming uh, to see that this was a guy who didn't let wrestling occupy the center of his life uh even though i mean i can't imagine that wwe schedule the way that it uh, monopolizes your time uh but he still seemed to find a way to make not just his family but the people that he loved and cared about um central to his life instead uh and i think that is uh, refreshing and something that uh, i was just really struck by uh, throughout this whole week
4: yeah that was really nice um you know you didn't you didn't get a bunch of uh Lauded, laudits, laudits, plaudits, plaudits, plaudits. You laud someone by giving them yes. plaudits. Is that right? What could be lauded, but with plaudits? Someone could be lauded with plaudits? <laughs> yes. I'm, sure, I'm not sure that makes sense. We might get a. Uh, not sure we'll get to a I'm gonna write to the the dictionary about that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, it's not. A, oh, you know, he was he was a real grinder. He was on the road, you know, 362 days a year what a hard worker. And it was like, no, you know, this is a guy who loved his family and was a great dad. Uh, and I thought it was also very nice that all, a lot of, if not all of his coworkers, like seemed to have some familiarity with his family with his children. It was like, Aaron told the story of like, Oh yeah, no, you'd look down the hall and there'd be his whole family backstage laughing and enjoying each other's presence. Uh, and that was very, very nice to hear. So yeah, I think you're, you're bang on about that
3: yeah and that's something that i guess we are led to believe will continue on with the Huber family's relationship with aew i it does seem that and this was kind of one of the remarkable things over this last week versus i would say how wrestler deaths have felt like at least in my past where it does seem like there's a concerted effort now not to leave those he left behind behind. If that makes sense, it does seem like that. At least, with how everything felt last night, and how everything's been said, and how just the general love that you that you got to see that this uh, that this promotion has for. Uh, the hoobers and brody's son and brody's wife that it does seem like that if anything that has been learned in 2020 that that's kind of a positive note that we could leave the year on that like you could tell how much that the company cared for them i mean very much so you like this was a show that they made a big deal about about uh really junior negative one like booking matches and things like that and they constantly did like this and just like the amount of relief i would feel like in a way that and I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling here but just like the the feeling of as uh, as they there are such young kids that like that they don't have the thoughts of oh my dad gave his life to this industry and what did that kind of Leave us like there was like a very strong feeling of that they're they're not going to be forgotten, they're not going to be left behind in a way that necessarily hasn't been the case in wrestling, and that was very nice to see and it, and, and again, it seemed like there was like a general a joy and love of this family, and it's something that I hope that they keep up afterwards.
2: yeah, there were so many wrestlers who, as you were mentioning, Nate, who talked about like, oh, I was really good friends with Amanda or I am really good friends with Amanda. It's like, oh, that's so nice that you know they were able. He was able to mix that. And it's not like Brody is also thought of as like a real ideas guy within pro wrestling. It's not like he came in and, and punched the clock and uh, you know, just kind of did what he had to do so he could go home. He was like thought of as a really high-level pro wrestler. Uh plus he was able to uh prioritize his family.
4: Yeah, I mean you look at all the stories of just like whatever random indie wrestlers or like Brandon Thurston was like oh yeah he just came to my my school and and put it a bunch of hours teaching my guys uh just for love of the business cuz he wanted to help the younger guys um or like Dalton Castle was like oh yeah no Brody Brody drove me to my first show and wrestled me and uh you know did all these things for me just cuz he wanted to to help the young guys so it's not like he was uh you know uh taking short shifts in an effort to to get back and focus on himself, he was, uh, you know, by all accounts, really doing it all. So
2: That's what's been amazing to me is like, just, <laughs> I mean, obviously we're not getting, uh, I didn't know Brody, don't have a full picture of who he was, but from all accounts, it's like just an amazing, extraordinary person who tried to make everyone feel welcome and everyone feel included. And uh, it was just like, exceedingly thoughtful in a way you don't really see, uh, from people, you know, we, yeah, John Silver talked about, Oh, he bought me this gear just so I would look better. Uh, but then I saw some people just like, you know, random ass people. It's like, Oh, I walked into this thing and he just was like, Hey, what's up? Like, how are you? And then talk to me. Uh, I saw, uh, John from, uh, VOW talk about how they had a random conversation about hockey just because John had on like a hockey hat. So, uh so Brody like initiated a conversation with them about it so it's just like what a light you know um uh, a real bummer I I one of the tweets that I really liked was uh, our buddy friend of the show Drama King Matt who posted that they had I assume it was on a house show they had done some match and after the match one of the producers said oh you did too much for the second match and Brody Brody looked at him and said, "Well, don't put us on second next time." <laughs> I thought that was funny. So I don't know; just seems like a sweet dude.
3: Uh, my favorite thing was uh, Miro saying Brody loved dogs and had, <laughs> and had chickens. Like yeah. there were a lot of post. yeah, there were a lot of very sweet posts, and it's something that. Of course, in this time that we think of the best of someone, it does seem that he was as close to impeachable as someone can get within the wrestling industry. And, you know, for someone who's been around for this long, that's incredibly remarkable. I mean, to the fact that he did, I know I've brought this up on light, he did three tours of Dragon Gate, 36 matches total. And all of them, like all the people that were in the promotion at that time, like were tweeting and talking about like how remarkable of a person he was just through like an 11 month period. And you don't see that that often. And I feel like that, that is something that you, you know, you, you, you certainly do hope for the best in people. And it does seem like that John Huber was the best of people. And if there's anything that can come from this is hoping that his brand of kindness, civility, and just selflessness can continue within this and that kind of was like the overall tone of the show last night and i felt like that that was beautiful
2: yes uh listener and friend oak gan uh his elite pick was that uh, he just said that the show struck the perfect balance between somber outpourings of grief and pure joy both of which made me cry which uh relatable Oat, and i think that's right they kind of hit it out of the park with um you know, the videos, the little tributes, uh, and we'll run down the card, and I'm sure we'll bring up some of those little tributes that came up. Uh, and then just, you know, Joseph Rood coming out and doing a run-in. So it, it had it all.
4: Yeah, the Beaver Boys doing the papers. Yep. Just, you know, stuff that was, you know, reminds you of like the silly um, just expressions of I don't know life that wrestling can be that you don't get in a lot of like more contained forms of media. You know, the, the, these shows are like unique to wrestling. You don't get, (laughs) you don't get this kind of thing when an actor dies or even when an athlete dies or anything like this, it's like unique to wrestling and a lot to, uh, take on at once. um, but I think definitely, I think strengthen everyone's connection to wrestling um, because of them. Like, yeah, no, there's value in what we're all doing here, because uh, look at this wonderful man and look at the beautiful thing that his friends did to honor him. so
2: uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the wrestling uh, Thoros, uh, our good friend pointed out uh, that he loved how they let uh, guys like John Silver and Ten. Get pinfalls on this show instead of more established guys. Uh, that was pretty fun, and we'll we can talk about that as we go through uh, the card.
4: Very funny for the commentary to be like, "Oh, the pressure's really on here because all the other Dark Order members have won." <laughs> so yeah. you know, Anna Jay doesn't want to drop this match here and end the streak for her team. And it's like, you know, again, just very funny thing that would only make sense in a wrestling context.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and and we'll get more into it, but it's something that like it's something that. They put a lot of these people into positions where I can't comprehend the idea of having to go out there days after a mentor passed away and being put into this position. And I would say, and this is not just me being charitable, everyone knocked it out of the park. Like, it's something that, like, they put these people in these positions, and I mean, they had 10 win the main event. Which is something that this is a guy who's been on dark other than dropping and mostly on dark just does like three or four meds, but he ha- he was in he was the focus of this match and that was kind of remarkable. That like it kind of really kinda of like put it like a nice bow on the show, I feel like. Like the idea that they give these people these opportunities and it's like Silver, Reynolds, Anna Jay, Tay Conti, and Ten, and they just were exceptional.
1: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Now that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack, $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet, arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Yeah. That was something I thought about watching the show was that I think there is some criticism of a W with like a lot of former WWE guys on top or whatever. But, and I think there's some, there's something to that, you know, there was a recent poster and it's like, Oh, it's like all old guys basically. Uh, But then you watch this show and it's like bubbling up somewhere is like this huge amount of, of wrestlers who uh, never really had anything to do with WWE and really weren't uh, widely known properties at all before a w so there uh this isn't the point of the show obviously but it's a bright future for this company it was obvious it was on display on the show it kicked off with uh the uh tin bell salute of course uh and then went right into a uh john moxley video that we talked about a little bit i'm not going to recap uh the videos uh but someone mentioned this, I think, in the Discord, it's that it was nice to hear from Mox, considering that he's not like a he's not gonna be a guy who does a tweet thread. Uh and he's somebody that we know was close to Brody, so you kind of want to hear from him. And so it was nice to see his his video remembrance here.
4: It's also kind of interesting just to see Moxley speaking at length and like eloquently, but in a genuine, sincere manner, you know, because he always does these sort of promos where he you know artfully will bring in some bigger idea even though he's like you know the badass you know halfway to garbage wrestler a lot of the time but it's like oh no he uses these larger ideas and metaphors and illustrations in his promos uh and he kind of just did the exact same thing here when he was just speaking from the heart about his friend uh and i don't know i just thought that was kind of uh illuminating about who john moxley is
3: and it's something that getting into like the videos that like have had very it it, it, it's something where you see the humanity there and i feel like that that is one of the emotional things and even in like this very very like uh business where there's supposed to be like a clear delineation between personal and professional and all of that like you had John Moxley start off the show with a talking about a guy that really he's been linked to other than potentially Super Smash Brothers longer than anyone else in this promotion. And you could like feel the heart there and you could feel the heart throughout the entire show.
2: The, the wrestling on the show, uh, this was the moment where I was like, okay, we've had this Tim Bell salute, this Mox video. And I was like, are we really going to, they're just going to do wrestling matches after this? It felt. It felt, uh, I don't know, sudden or something at the time, although it, it turned out to be, you know, I think you're right, Michael. you talk about it's a hard position to put everybody in. But at the same time, I think a lot of people just want to do what they know how to do. Like, that's the way, that's a way to deal with everything that's going on. I think in this first match, we saw that we had uh, the Young Bucks and Colt Cabana defeat Matt Hardy and private party. Colt walks out and he is uh, clearly a mess. And... Then you know he the match gets going and uh, he seems like Colt again. So uh, that was nice. Of course, he got the the pinfall. He pinned uh, Mark Quinn with the Superman pin. Uh, after the match, the acclaimed came out and it, I was worried about where this was going. Uh, but SCU stopped them pretty quickly and uh, the Bucks and Colt took him out, and that would set up a match for for next week.
4: Yeah, it was a running theme throughout the show. They're like, no, we want to clearly establish for each segment who the heels are here so that when we have the baby faces get revenge on them, which happened in every single segment, you know, it would be meaningful. Uh, so that, that was something they definitely made a conscious choice to do. Uh, and yeah, you know, they definitely, definitely had the baby faces get the laugh last laugh laugh, and everything.
3: And they did it in a way that I, I, I can only speak for myself, but as soon as like I saw the acclaim come out, I was like, Oh, come on, guys, we're not gonna be doing like full on storyline angles here. But they did it in a way where the baby faces got the come So it was one of the things that's like, yeah, no, like the heels in their nature are going to be do heelish things, but you know, that's not the tone of the show of having the big brawl that everyone gets beat down at the end and that's it. Like it it was just like one of those things that You know, they had the moments there, keeping it in continuity, which I understand why I personally wouldn't have, but it worked out in a way that, you know, was very satisfying.
2: Then we had a video from Darby Allen. He primarily, he talked about, you know, uh, how nice uh, Brody was to him. That was interesting. We go from Moxley, where Moxley has known Brody for, you know, forever, for a long time. And then you go to someone like Darby who has only known Brody from AEW, I believe, and uh, but they, you know, still both have have had their moments, you know, with Brody. And of course, Darby talked about uh, wishing that they could have been in the ring together, which I have to agree with. That would have been a very fun match to see. So uh, it was a nice little video from Darby. After that, we had uh, Lance Archer, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson defeating Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade. Lance Archer, of course, was in full uh indies brody slash luke harper uh regalia here uh uno pinned blade uh after they hit the fatality uh after the match everybody punched eddie and then uh, jake roberts uh the new drip King, perhaps uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hit him with a close line
3: yeah yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about what uh uh jake roberts fit was before we get into the match itself because If anyone's having, like, living their best life in quarantine, it does seem to be the wardrobe of Jake Roberts. Just, just like, insane stuff at this point.
4: Yeah, so they started this match off by having uh, Evil Uno do the big boot to Eddie Kingston while Bryce was checking uh, Eddie's gear, which is uh, exactly the spot that uh, Brody Lee did to Tim Donst with Bryce Rimsburg, also checking Tim's gear uh, back in the day. Uh, So that's just good to see you know that sort of attention to detail um and i it's kind of a maybe a recent phenomenon that like we have all these people on twitter that watch an obscene amount of professional wrestling and gip and gif and not gip gip gif and clip uh you know just tiny little moments from uh, 25 years ago or whatever the, the case may be and it's like you know i would never have come across that it's uh you know one of the rare uses of twitter maybe that it's like oh hey Here's an illustration of what this is referring to, or uh, hey, here's why this is meaningful. Um, so that's just kind of neat.
2: Yeah, and we also saw uh, Eddie come out in a Notre Dame jersey, and somebody, I think, well, Cubs fan was the one who I saw immediately point out that this was a reference to uh, the fact that uh, Brody would claim, would tell people that he uh, played at Notre Dame <laughs> in the 80s. And uh, Big E had pointed that out in a tweet thread a few days earlier, so that was uh, reference to that. So yeah, something else I would not have known uh, without Twitter for sure.
3: Yeah, it it, it rocked. Um, the, the the fun thing about like the matches on the show, and breaking continuity in a lot of ways uh, was lance archer and the super smash brothers rock together like this was a super fun trios matches where sue grayson was like did like that crazy flying move leading into the finish and just like lance archer being like the big hot tag babyface hot tag just clearing the ring and you know like this was something that like the, the vibe of the show is just like i watched this match and i was like and especially for like a team like butcher and blade they're upstate new york guys they would i know blade has known brody pretty much their entire career but, and that was not another nice thing about the show. This is just us talking about nice things this, this episode. But uh, Excalibur pointing out like history of like, oh, yeah, no, the Blade and Brody Lee had this history dating back to NWA upstate. And just like all, like finding ways without going, like just hammering it over the head, but like this, like kind of explaining the meaning to viewers who might not have known the meaning of why Butcher and Blade were in this match. You know, I thought that, like that was really cool.
4: Yeah, it, uh, also just good to see the Smash Brothers like get to uh, get some highlight here, get some spotlight because uh, they haven't been super featured. Oddly, the Super Smash Brothers kind of, as the Dark Order has, has you know, recovered and got super over, they kind of got less focus than they used to. Like they used to get more time and more matches before the Dark Order started really working. Um, but, you know, they go out here and, of course, it's like they don't, don't miss a beat. They just have some of the coolest tandem offense that you'll ever see in a tag team. Um, and, you know, every time they're out there, the the Tony's like, that's Stu Grayson is so underrated. It's like, yeah, no, these guys kick ass. Uh, so it was good to see that. And that's, it's always fun to see them just uh, do very violent tag team moves and people.
2: I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe it worked in their favor to be sidelined a little bit because they definitely struggled when they first came in and maybe they've been able to get back on their feet. Uh, through all uh you know through kind of being put in the out of the spotlight for some period of time uh but now yeah I think it's time to kind of push them back into the spotlight and and let them uh, do their thing that's one of the things that's great about having excalibur in the company is that he knows a lot of this history and can bring that to the viewer you know if you can imagine what a a commentary booth of Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Chris Jericho would have done uh by themselves on this show. Uh so it's very nice to have Excalibur on uh, the little bits that he can he can slide in.
4: Yeah, and that's that's something I've shouted out about that's good about AEW in the past. Uh, but they uh and like Mike said, they don't they don't shy away from acknowledging people's past and other promotions or whatever. But it's not just that they reference it, uh, you know, with something like the the big boot to open the match here. But like with Excalibur there, it's like, no, actually. That stuff that guys did on the indies like that actually matters and has some meaning it's like not just you know some guys dicking around in a gym or whatever it's like no that's part of these guys stories and we're gonna like respect that as we continue to to follow their characters through our promotion
3: and excalibur is the perfect person to like be pointing us out things because pwg was kind of the place i mean really where super smash brothers broke out outside of chakara and 2012 to 2014 so it just interweaves itself in a really fitting way and I don't know how much uh, of that three-man booth if it did not have Excalibur boy I feel for Tony Schiavone in that instant I would feel really hard there because it's good to have someone there that's able to kind of uh do the heavy lifting there and this match it I, I didn't do like any ratings on this show but this match probably, with the exception of like the women's tag match, I came away with going like this match was awesome. Like they, and I know some people are like adding matches from the show onto like year end lists, and I totally understand that. But like this was just kind of like a really fun match, and like the person I kind of walked away from this match going, like, holy crap, like this person is really great at this kind of thing, is Lance Archer and Trios matches rocks. Like just was an absolute great time.
2: Yeah. I think that's all true. I just, that really struck me what you said, Nate, about them making the, what they did on the Indies matter. And it's like, maybe that can be a, a legacy of AEW that it makes, uh, it makes other wrestling important again, you know, because WWE's whole thing has always been, Oh, well, he's never done it in the, in the big leagues kid. And it's like, maybe AEW can knock that uh, out of the discourse of, of pro wrestling. Um, after this, we had a video with uh, Dax from FTR, Arn Anderson, and Bryce Rimsberg, and basically it was all, all about what I talked about earlier, uh, about how much Brody uh, loved and cherished his family uh, and didn't let pro wrestling consume his life. Uh, this was particularly devastating because Bryce uh, you know, was crying the entire time he was on camera, so it was a, a very brutal uh, video to watch.
3: And Bryce is another person that has had a very tough go and especially with like independent wrestling and with all of this like especially like that was the thing that like watching the show that kind of struck me was for people like uh, Bryce Rumsburg, Eddie Kings, and Chuck Taylor who have already experienced like incredible loss in wrestling just even before they really got their names made is kind of it was something that like you really felt for them and you could see with like Bryce Ramsberg, like his relationship with Brody and the Hoover family like it was all kind of, it was really tough to watch but it was very touching and very beautiful in a way
2: then we had a team of Heyman Page, John Silver and Alex Reynolds defeat MJF Santana and Ortiz uh Silver pinned Ortiz after a uh discus elbow uh before all that they had a little bit where MJF was kind of uh, antagonizing Brody Jr., who was at ringside throughout the night uh, in his little suit that just uh, killed me as soon as I saw that. Uh, and he, the payoff was him uh, hitting the absolute shit out of MJF in the head uh, with a kendo stick. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Wardlow interfered, but uh, Eric Redbeard himself, Joseph Rude, uh, evened the odds
4: yeah this was my this is my favorite thing on the show this whole match just like a big sweeping uh i mean john silver's baby face fire doing a fucking like <laughs> a canadian rollover canadian destroyer off you know by the tip of his ankles um and just getting to show his you know uh cesaro tot tag prowess and running wild uh and you know all the guys on commentary marking out for that um just a, a great watch, very fun. One uh, like the right kind of overbooking where there's ten things happening at once, uh, and it just takes you on a ride and heightens from one thing to the next thing, uh, and capping it off perfectly with that kendo stick shot. Then you see Brody Jr. who's just smiling from ear to ear. He's already got the pro wrestling facial because he's got his tongue hanging out of his mouth. Uh, just fantastic.
3: You also like had stuff that like. Like the way they're like playing off things, could be some continuity. MJF, after everything, had a Puerto Rican style gear, and he was a part of Santana and Ortiz, it came out the headband, which was kind of playing off like the video and of like last few weeks that that it is that MJF is starting to ingratiate himself more into the inner circle the paper throw to start and something that i do not believe that chris that that either chris jericho or jr knew about the paper thing that they, they've probably not watched a single bt in their lives but playing off of that and the cesaro hot tag nate i did not realize until you said it like he basically did the whole cesaro running rough shot but adding in like doing topic on hellos to it from the apron it just wasn't absolute blast it was just was a good time with that and the the look on brody jr's face after just clocking MJF with the kendo stick i was like this is what this show is about this show is to pop brody jr and to provide solace to his family and friends and i was like hey now this kid uh like regardless he's like yeah no this happened and and, and that's a story that
2: that will stick with him probably hopefully the rest of his life somebody had pointed out i think this was on twitter that you know it's hard to keep in mind you know that mjf has just lost his grandfather uh santana just lost his stepfather uh, so it's just been a really rough go for for all these guys and um this seemed at least felt from from my perspective cathartic you know kind of for everybody uh but yeah the you tie everything together here um i mean i i hadn't done any of my year in lists I mean other than you know what we did on the Patreon, but I haven't, you know, submitted any anywhere. I certainly I'll probably throw this one on there. Uh, cause it was I don't know, it was exactly what I needed, exactly what I wanted. Uh it just kind of hit all the right notes. So it was nice. Uh then we got uh an Eddie Kingston video, you know, uh and I kind of have the same reaction, Nate, where you talked about the Moxley video of like, oh this is, I mean, this is just how Eddie talks. Like <laughs> yeah. Eddie's promos are just Eddie. This was the clearest example of that.
4: Yeah, this was uh, this was a doozy to put Eddie on right after uh, John Silver and Eric Rowan in the ring, um, and they were both uh, crying. And then you go right to Eddie. That was a, that was a one-two punch for sure.
3: It, it, it's something that, and this just popped up on Twitter as we're recording. One of his quotes, like if you remember his teachings, he's never gone as they named. Minus one wrestler of the week. That was the quote they gave for him with that. So another nice thing for Brody Lee Jr. and all that. But yeah, no, probably the one of the most heavy promos or just people to talk or hear talk of recent generations. Eddie Kingston, like this is like a one-two, really like a grand slam of like you had Bryce, you had everyone's emotions in this match. Eddie Kingston, you had just the the sheer emotion at least for Amanda J. and the women's tag coming up now.
2: Yes, thank you for that segue. Mike, it did lead into the women's tag match. Uh, Anna Jay and Ty Conti defeated Britt Baker and Penelope Ford. Anna submitted Penelope with the Queen Slayer. Um, after the match, Britt was talking to Tony. she's uh, bringing back up you know there's a conspiracy against her the whole thing is rigged. Uh, it's kind of a big rig, a little shout out from Britt, uh, but Thunder Rosa attacked Britt after that. they had a little a little brawl. but uh, man, this was I thought uh, an excellent match.
4: Yeah, strong match. Uh, Jericho walking all over that punchline before Britt could get to it. Um, yeah, the other <laughs> Tony uh, also like, hey, wait, wait, Penelope Ford's really good. We don't talk enough about that. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah she's really good. <laughs> what do you want? Like, yeah, the, you should have her on Dynamite.
3: Yeah, and Rebel was excellent as a manager. It's a it, it's a it's a shame that we live in a world that Taz is so above and beyond the best manager non wrestler because Rebel few things have popped me over the, like the last few months than Rebel and this Britt Baker act and her at like trying to like interfere and kind of playing it up as like incompetence in a way was great. And then you know, the match itself was excellent. I mean both Anna Jay and Ty Conti have really, really have over the cross the year arguably probably Two of the ten most improved wrestlers. So it was great to see them get prolonged time and and, and this kind of not, not to bring up like that point. Everyone equipped acquitted themselves quite well in this match, and you know this was a
2: blast. Yeah, I mean I'm not going to do my whole thing that I normally do.
4: Uh, I, I, I tried I tried to like skim it and not not. <laughs> I was trying I was trying to pull up out of it even as I was going into it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will just say that.
2: Everybody here was really good and and looked like they uh, belonged.
4: I do television. I do really like the uh, the rec- the rehabilitation of Rebel in pro wrestling has been really fun.
2: Yes. Also, man, this uh, Ty J tag team it just kicks ass. It's a great tag team. I really enjoy watching them. So it's it's fun. And Anna J, man, she uh, she really struggled here uh, just emotionally, and it was just good to see her get to get a win. And I don't know, it's wrestling, so it's like. It's dumb to say it was good to see her win, but it's like it was I I don't know. It's this is like I think what you were saying Nate about like this can only happen in wrestling. It's like we're seeing a real person deal with real tragedy. Yeah. But, but that's also filtered through like their re- pro wrestling character. Yeah. It's they're, like
4: they're play they're play acting this fake combat while you Know, but they're also like they are themselves, it's very weird because you know, wrestling pretends to exist in the real world, and in some ways, does exist in the real world. A lot of the characters are the real people, but a fake version of their real people, so it's yeah, it's just wholly unique to wrestling, it's very bizarre. Uh, and it kind of you know, seeing Anna J, the real person out here struggling, um, you know, and crying uh, about this in the middle of her performance, uh, is just unique and it affects the audience in a way that, uh, I don't know that anything else does. Um, but you know, like everybody went out there and killed it. Like they, they were feeling all the emotions, but it didn't, you know, they weren't shying away from having a great match. So, um, yeah, this was another, the hits kept on coming.
2: Then we had a Chris Jericho video where he, uh, strangely decided to tell a story of him not understanding, uh, Islam, uh, i was already like why do you have to bring saudi arabia into this uh jericho and then he tells a story of not understanding the uh the thing inside the hotel room that points toward mecca and brody having to explain it to him and he used this to be like brody was maybe the smartest man who ever lived you know that was like his perspective on it (laughs) very funny yeah
4: yeah i mean god bless Chris Jericho, he's had to do a lot of these. Uh, yeah, he made some some choices with how he was gonna remember Brody here.
3: I talked about dogs. You, you know, he pulled it together at the end, talking about dogs, and you know, it, it, it's something I forgot. Who brought it up about like you think about like Jericho, like going through all of this, and and of course in twenty twenty Jericho's way, he has to do. Just some weird, unnecessary. Like I don't understand the fact that a hotel in Saudi Arabia has an arrow pointing somewhere. Like, come on.
2: But yeah, uh, I think Chelsea pointed this out in the Discord, and you, uh, you kind of referred to this in a way. You're saying I'm stealing
4: Chelsea? Is that what you're saying? You saying I'm I'm stealing more points from the Discord patrons?
2: I just like to shout out our patrons and our our Discord friends whenever I get the chance. It's an honor, but it's like. this is a guy who um, has gone through a lot. has has lost a lot of his friends in this business, uh, and so I don't know. Maybe a decent night to just uh, be charitable
4: to, to yeah. Jericho. Well, we are. We already we already did the segment. So <laughs> sure. sure.
2: <laughs> All right, and then uh, the main event match uh, we had uh, Brody Jr.'s three favorite wrestlers teaming together. Cody, Orange Cassidy, and Ten. Uh, and they defeated Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs of Team Taz. Uh, yeah, as we talked about a little bit, Ten got the the win. He pinned Ricky Starks with a spine buster. Uh, after the match, Team Taz attacked, including a Hook suplex. Our first, I think our first time seeing Hook do something physical.
3: No, uh, uh, he did a clothesline on Dark this week.
2: Okay, well, I didn't watch Dark much this week, yeah. so.
3: <laughs> no, no, that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. But this week, Hook is getting involved. He's getting his hands dirty. Right.
2: Uh, well, the lights, the lights went out, and then we saw Darby walk out a door, and then the lights went out again, and uh, the door opens again, and it's Sting. And uh, and they on they're like, "Wait, are are they partners? Are they together? A it's bunch like, of yeah. do-gooders?" <laughs> yes yeah they it was
4: very They. i guess they wanted to and I'll, you could tell from the tweet that they tweeted that is oh the significance of this is oh that darby and sting are together now it's not just that sting yeah. is pointing at him up in the rafters or they're uh you know interested in him oh no they're they're actually hanging out because they're uh they're in the green room together or in their end catering discussing what they're going to do later in the show uh so it's very funny to do the blackout. Oh, a side door opens. The blackout again. Oh, the same side door opens. Like, you guys could have <laughs> consolidated, maybe just open the door and walk out together at the same time. Well, uh, well they had to get the snow funny. effects
3: working. They had to get the snow effects working, and they had to have the camera on the snow machine. <laughs> yeah, they they had sh- had-
4: showing the snow machine. Also yeah. funny, funny <laughs> choice. I do love love the snow for Sting. Love Ricky Stark sawing the snow every week and you know brushing it out of hook's hair uh a big <laughs> joy but yeah <laughs> right, tony Schiavone yelling oh it's snowing in florida while they zoom in on the fake stone <laughs> <laughs> i
2: mean the really important thing was they had to play both songs you know so right get- absolutely
4: I, you know uh not to blow smoke up his ass but the the darby entrance theme is about the best as far as having a big cue at the top and be like hey this fucking guy is showing up right now like it it fits him perfectly it sounds awesome and it, it makes sense coming out of the, the blackout sting also one of the better themes in the company um i guess <laughs> do we think that it's like oh we don't want think- people to think that sting is magical so let's show them that it's just a snow machine is that the thought process i wonder uh but it is funny. i, I-
3: I think that they should, that they they did a a rare bad move on this show because I believe that Sting should be magical and somehow he's learned the power of generating snow in Duval County, Florida. I I, I think that there's, I think that we should like start treating uh, Sting like he's Poseidon and have control of the weather systems and maybe Darby gets some sort of control over lightning, fire. I mean, just go through the whole entire uh, Greek just mythic system and let's get let's start assigning people like their patron deities. Let's go with this. I I, I I think that that was a misstep, don't you, the Machine? We we should believe that Sting is Poseidon.
2: That would really bring a new side to Surfer Sting. I think. I know.
3: <laughs> I said Poseidon for a reason. Like Surfer Joker Sting. Like it, it all lines up here.
4: That's why I'm Sting, so a great Surfer because I control the waves.
3: <laughs> exactly. Sting oh, wow. might be the the reincarnation, or a or a child of Poseidon. I'm just putting it out there, and they ruin it by having the camera shot there, because just within two minutes, I've just delivered a massive and varied mythos to the mm-hmm. character of Sting in the last, like, four weeks. Like, like, we've learned a whole lot here, and they dashed it out by
2: showing the snow machine. And finally, it would tie together, like, all of the Sting characters from throughout his career. So, I like this idea, I do. Uh, they all kind of like t- team team sting and team Taz kind of like faced off here. Uh, Give me sting versus Taz is all I really have to say. <laughs> no reaction to that. Uh, Cody's in the ring for uh, the final. uh, Whatever segment of the night. I uh, brings out uh, Amanda Brody's wife and Brody jr. One of Brody's sons. Uh, Nolan, not his other son was in the 10 bell salute, but not. Featured as much, I guess, because he's very young. He's it looks like he's about two or three or something like that. Uh, they they placed uh, Brody's boots in the middle of the ring. Uh, Cody added a purple bandana. You know, it's kind of the the ritual um, retiring of Brody's boots and uh, his gear here. Tony brought out uh, the TNT title, uh, Tony Khan that is, and gave it to Brody Jr. Uh, and you know, said that uh, Brody Jr. He named Brody Jr. the TNT champion for life. Uh, We found out after the show that AEW will retire that design of the TNT title. He gave him the actual TNT title uh, and they will debut a new design in the future.
4: Yeah, just a really nice gesture. Really well done segment. Um, You know, very thoughtful and appropriate. Um, And, you know, amateur wrestlers would retire by leaving their their boots in the ring. He leaves his boots here, uh, even down to When Brody won that belt from Cody, he got rid of Cody's version was like, you get this old busted one, Cody. I get this new one. And that's when they debuted the new TNT title. So, you know, very fitting to to give it to his son, who by all accounts was like sleeping with the belt after he won it. So, yeah, um, you know, kind of overwhelming, but really, really well done uh, tribute here.
3: Yeah, and it's something that I think is an object that of course is wrestling title belt but it's already shown so much meaning for brody jr and it's something tangible that as a as a child now as he grows up like he'll in theory have this title belt for his dad and then when nolan like that, that that's something that like, be like oh yeah no this was your dad's like crowning achievement and it's a part of who we are and i feel like that that was very affecting
2: yeah, this, this show will live forever. Uh, so they'll always have it to go back to, uh, the show ended with, uh, the, the Bertie Lou tribute video that we talked about off the top with the Tom Waits 055, uh, scoring the video, uh, featuring, uh, they, you know, had a, a smart way to get around like, uh, rights issues on some of where they just had like photos of, of him with, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, or with other people, you know, that he, that he worked with uh, I, over I the years. Curious,
4: do you think they were DMing Bray Wyatt? Like, Hey, can we use your photo in our video? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, some, it, somebody does own those video those photos.
2: Somebody does. Yeah. Whoever it's, it's whoever took the photo, right. As the yeah. owner of the rights of the photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I don't know enough about like image, likeness or whatever uh writes to know if bray Wyatt has a beef if he doesn't like that he was featured I don't
4: yeah know. And i'm sure no one has any genuine complaints and i'm you know i'm sure everyone appreciated it like i said uh this you know the mechanics of that are interesting like is it the official AEW account that slides in your mentions or does that are they just like oh everybody's fine with it i wonder
2: well a lot of the pictures that they included were ones that i saw people post on twitter so i imagine yeah. they reached out to those people and said hey we'd like to use that photo uh, like I, the one that had um, Becky, what, what's her name? Becky
4: Lynch, <laughs> Becky Lynch. The one that had Becky All right. Lynch in it. The,
3: the, the, that's a possible Patreon show where. Was that, I a, show. was that a
4: Hilaria Baldwin moment? Yeah,
3: yeah. A Hilaria Baldwin moment. Come on, what we're going to do, Nate, is we're going to throw up photos of various people who have been in WWE in different time periods. And we have to figure out how many Aaron gets. And that'll be a fun game for everyone to play along with at home.
4: <laughs> Aaron might do better than me. I had a, I had a window of WWE watching, but I think you guys both watched long before I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I started watching at, like, five years old and watched yeah. it
2: for a long time. Um, I don't know why Becky was just... Uh, <laughs> be- Becky Lynch, arguably, after.
3: like... The biggest star that they've had in the last uh, three years, not coming to not coming to your brain.
2: Sorry, I, I tried. I uh, forget but yeah, yeah, we it was, forget, very, of it was very touching. I was glad I talked on light. You know that I, I mean, I would have liked. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not being critical whatsoever of the show, but I did want there to be involvement of people from outside of AEW. You know, I thought that would be nice, uh, and so it was nice that this was the way they could do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, there
2: was also. I mean, all over Twitter, uh, tons of people who currently work for WWE talked about watching the show and how much they enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was just nice that everybody felt like they were doing this thing together to honor their friend. And so uh, it was a thing that, and I mentioned this at the top of like when this show was starting, I was pretty skeptical of it. And I really didn't, I honestly probably wouldn't have watched it uh, if we didn't do this podcast. Uh, But by the end, I was like, just didn't want it to end, really. It's like, fuck, when this is over, it's over.
4: You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Strange is like, well, I've, I've seen enough of these that I kind of kind of know the layout and a little bit of what to expect, which is, but you, yeah, you know, I guess I'm thankful. Because again, like you don't, you kind of don't get these. I mean, other, other, you know, you watch your actors or whatever. You don't ha- also have these weird relationships with, the performers like you do in wrestling. Um, so, yeah, you know, just kind of thankful that this is something unique to wrestling where you can even get any sort of ceremony or celebration like this. Um, you know, it it is cathartic. It, it kind of just made, made it easier for me to stop, you know, going down the timeline. And it's like, oh, shit, here's another dozen s- stories about uh, a, a nice thing this guy did. Um, yeah, it just kind of makes it more of a, communal release uh, and that's I think can be uplifting and healthy
3: right and it's something that I feel like in a lot of ways this was like one of these first big shows for this generation in this regard and with how wrestling fandom and like wrestling content and like the relationship the parasocial relationship between the fan the consumer and the wrestler has drastically changed over the last decade. This felt more of a communal experience than I would say any of like the previous like wrestler memorial like celebration of life shows that I remember seeing like while growing up and watching wrestling. So it's the 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 communality of this I think is the real remarkable thing coming out of this. And it seems like and seeing like the clips after the show that. You know the the primary audience, in my opinion, being the Huber family. It seemed like that this was a really important moment for it, and you know, uh, Brody Brody Jr. clocking all of the Dark Order with kendo sticks afterwards, <laughs> and you could tell like that this was a moment that you know it's not going to be something that is is going to look back with sadness, of course, but it's not going to be looked at with anger. Instead, looked at it as like a special moment that was that was solemn. It was sad. It was modeling at times, but you know, in the end was very beautiful.
2: Yes, that was, uh, the, the AW celebration of life, uh, for Brody Lee. I'm not going to do the full, uh, Patreon plug that I usually do. Uh, I'll just say Mike and I tried to do a show on Saturday for, you know, we usually put out shows on Monday because of the holidays. Saturday was really the only chance we had to record. And in the middle of recording, we found out that, that Brody had passed and, uh, we, Neither of us really felt like finishing the show and we didn't feel like what we'd recorded uh, really would, was appropriate to the tone of of uh, the day. So we bend that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's right up against the end of the month. So uh, we weren't able to to do something extra. Uh, but, you know, we'll be back next month uh, with, with plenty of content. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash everything elite. OK, um, next week, basically, they've they've taken everything that was going to be on the show this week and moved it over. Uh, to next week, uh, they're still going to do the two nights of new year's smash, but it'll be, you know, the, the sixth and the 13th, uh, Snoop Dogg is going to be on the show of the go big show. Of course that Snoop Dogg, if you were, uh, confused, uh, here's what we know for that show. I don't know if this is going to be taped or if it's going to be live, no, but, no
3: indication whatsoever. Yeah.
2: So, uh, we'll have, uh, the men's world title match, Kenny Omega versus Phoenix, Uh, The women's world title, Hikaru Shida versus Abaddon, the Bucks and SCU versus the Acclaimed and the Hybrid 2, Jake Hager versus Wardlow, Cody Rhodes versus Matt Seidel, and Chris Jericho will be on commentary for the show. Uh, And we found out a bunch of matches for uh, the 113 show also, but we'll talk about that when it gets uh, closer to that show. So anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here?
4: Happy new year. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Happy new Happy. year. Indeed. Oh,
4: yeah. oh, what's on what's on your queue? Uh Aaron, I know you and Sarah tend to do a movie marathon for New Year's.
2: We do. Uh we haven't planned anything. Uh Jason Isbell's doing a live stream. I'll probably watch that uh tonight. I think that's at 8 or 9 but central time, so that fucks me up. So I'm not sure when it actually starts um well, so probably you're, you're one hour ahead yeah i literally the way i can figure out central time is i remember watching like television as a kid and to be like blah 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 at eight seven central and i have to say that in my head like <laughs> i'm like okay five five four central like that's the way i have to do it so it, i'm very dumb when se- it comes to time
3: it seems like that there's a lot of uh artists kind of taking advantage of that because i have a live stream i'm watching tomorrow that they're doing Ooh. a one of my favorite acts, Tycho, usually does, like, he goes to Burning Man and does a set. But he's like, I'm going to do that on New Year's Day, like a sunrise kind of set that, you know, I've seen that. And then, of course, our friend of the show, Murder Brian, had a really fun stream a couple of days ago. So they're, they're, we're not at a lack of content here for New Year's weekend. So, Nate, are you? do you have anything that you're playing on watching or playing on over the New Year's weekend?
4: Uh no, my big live stream got delayed a month. Um I did get uh that little bottle of Polish vodka that I was sipping on. Uh so that those are my New Year's plans. Is basically that uh weird orange Polish vodka and I'm probably going to play Destiny, <laughs> I think. Feels like a Destiny kind of day. Um yeah, that's all. That's all I think I got going on.
3: Just watching the new ray, ray tracing on the PS5.
4: Yeah, I may I might have uh might have acquired an Xbox Series X. Um, I did previously talk about having a problem uh, on the show. Uh, so I might actually well it on that because it's free on Game Pass. Oh, well, there you go.
2: Do you have any uh, 2020 movies to recommend if we throw some on tonight or tomorrow?
4: Oh, is it only 2020? Is that the gimmick? Yes. Is that the role? Oh, that, that makes it tough. It does. I don't know if you've heard about this Wonder Woman 1984, but uh, everybody is a buzz about it just saying that it's uh, really great and short and the politics are really good. Um, So that's a candidate for you. If there's anything
2: I love, it's any way I can support the IDF.
4: (laughs) Yeah, uh, so that's one. Figurally into magical lassos.
3: Yeah, things vaguely being in the 80s, but doesn't seem like it's really in the 80s. Uh, uh, Reagan reagan you know me has has all the hits there and if you're and if you're on that max life i mean there's a whole world to you if you go but to i'm HBO all about mode. that max life well there we go there we go uh so so to...
2: you guys did come up with anything
4: no uh, nothing came like out that? in 2020 i don't the theaters were like closed you can watch tenet yeah. i guess
3: <laughs> tenet did tenet ever come out actually it's
4: streaming yeah
3: Yeah. Uh, uh i watched borat the new borat movie borat? that's a movie yeah. i know i watched I already this saw year. That. yeah um I watch the. I've like a lot of documentaries that I watch this year, but I don't know necessarily if they're from 2020.
4: Yeah, I got another uh, for you.
3: Heaven's Gate. That's a documentary from 2020. That's a wild series. It gets you in a real good mood going no into series, the year. Mike, this is a movie marathon. I mean, it's four episodes. It's that's that's,
4: that's like a, a f- that's not a movie. Yeah, it is. Thank that's you. like four hours. Also, not a movie. Uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. That is not a movie. Internet. I mean...
2: I don't know anything about that, so I don't have an opinion. You know Tell fucking, me why. You, you know that movie. fucking
4: obnoxious? It's a television show. <laughs> you know that? You know I'm that? Clear with yeah. You know the obnoxious uh, best movie ever poll that people were doing for like, I don't know, 18 months? Have you seen mm-hmm. this? I yeah. must <laughs> <Yes. laughs> So, some, I don't know, some guy did a, 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 you know, a bracket of best movie ever with like, I don't know, 128 movies or. 516 movies, something ridiculous. So so from time to time, people were retweeted like, oh, this is a travesty that uh, fucking Sleepaway Camp is losing to The Craft, I don't know. Um, And retweeted it into your feed. And like, Twin Peaks, The Return, the television series on Showtime, was like in the top four of the best movie of all time. It's not a fucking movie. It's a television show. It started as a television show. really drives me insane. Have to agree with you. I'm I'm scrolling some
2: best of 2020 movie lists, and frankly, I don't recognize mostly or almost all of them. Uh, but I see. I don't know. Was the was the Harley Quinn movie any good? That's
4: on here. I gave it like three stars. Um, it was fine. I got. I, I'm a little annoyed. Uh, <laughs> for, I'm getting all my complaints out at the end of the show because I saved good. them all during the show. Good. I'm a little annoyed that people. I. I it, it's some level of contrarianism where they're like. Oh, you know, the DC movies. They're so raw and, you know, exactly the good kind of stupid comic book shit. No, it's just the same slop as the Marvel movies. It's just, like, less popular. So a certain person is drawn to it. Like, they're not... not—they're. I think they're probably less functional movies. They certainly fail to uh, meet the intent, which is to be, like, successful um, in a way that the Marvel movies are, which they don't succeed at. Uh, so they're less functional as far as the purpose of a blockbuster movie, which is not to make art, but to, you know, uh, pop a giant box office rating. Um, but then, I don't know, I, I, there's some level of irony poisoning where it's like, yeah, actually the DC movies are good when they're just like the same. <laughs> so, uh, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Uh, I think we talked about maybe on the Patreon. I was annoyed that they just made Gotham Los Angeles in that movie yeah 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 i was like okay gotham's like we did we did new york is gotham chicago is gotham pittsburgh is gotham uh now los angeles is gotham why not who gives a fuck uh really looking forward i was
3: gonna say really looking forward to when they decide to make new orleans gotham
4: new orleans gotham would be interesting maybe Um, miami gotham is blade from new orleans is that where blade is from
3: I want to say he's from New Orleans. I'm not certain of that. Don't at me, but I want to say he's from New Orleans. Okay,
4: yeah, that's that's official now. Blade's from New Orleans, uh, <laughs> except in the in the Blade movie, of course. He's like in some, uh, you know, weird European brutalist Gotham. <laughs> it's not New Orleans at all. Um, you might it, it's honestly it's worth a watch. I guess is what I would say. There's a good. Ode what, to the to the, what, what, of the were we talking about? <laughs> uh Birds of prey, the Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> oh, it's that's like, right. That's it's right. Mostly, you call it like Murder, Brian. Who's like, yeah, Birds of prey was really good. It's like, yeah, it was better oh, than all the other terrible DC out. movies. All the other DC movies were just you know less successful versions of the Marvel slop. Um, yeah, so that was I, I didn't prepare a rant, but this is the uh, angry comic book nerd portion of this program.
2: What about uh, what about the Bill and Ted movie?
4: That was fine. Uh, I was more generous at, to it than it probably deserved because I really like Bill and Ted. The
2: the idea of the of the Bentley New Year's Eve movie marathon is mostly like lighthearted movies. Yeah, like...
4: well, the, both of those are definitely lighthearted. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'm I'm being overly critical of these, but these are exactly the kind of movies that I'm like I want to just sit down and fucking watch something, and they're exactly what right. I do. So yeah, uh, they certainly fit in that regard. Uh, Bill and Ted, uh, kind of kind of a very 2020 movie in that it's uh, more about Bill and Ted's daughters than it is about them. Um, and I don't know, didn't really have any jokes, basically a no jokes movie, but kind of sweet and kind of cute. Jokes. Um gotta be something I can recommend to you I don't know that there is not for 2020 what about was... what about the bad boys movie did not see that I don't think I've ever seen a bad boys movie
2: really even yeah. as a kid kind of surprised
4: no yeah, yeah. I don't uh, doesn't come to mind
2: hmm. All right. Well, nothing is really jumping out on these uh, 2020 lists you're um... gonna
4: have you're, you might I mean if you want 2020 if you're gonna restrict this to 2020 you kind of have to yeah like, go, like, deep art house or something Mhm.
2: Yeah, that's it's really not the it's just not the idea of the of the night.
4: Uh there was a um a documentary in October, I think that was pretty good. Uh it's called Black Pink Light Up the Sky. <laughs> I've seen that. Oh, okay. That's uh, what I
2: actually watched. Da, da, da. I th- I just I think we're out of luck really for 2020 movies.
3: I I think you just have to watch a documentary
2: series about the heaven's gate cult i'm not watching any fucking series <laughs> <laughs> all right there all right there giamatti <laughs> all right well i think that's uh i think that's a sufficient episode
4: okay i'm glad we could uh, not solve anything for you here <laughs> just yeah. like, uh, like a lot some if people nothing mad, solved. I guess.
2: <laughs> i'm sure it did okay well thanks everybody for listening Um, we'll be back next week. That's it. Bye.